Welcome to The Sober Unicorn. We are a gay-hosted, all-inclusive podcast about sobriety and addiction recovery for the LGBT plus community and all of our allies. I'm your host, Holden, and thank you for joining us today. Hey, 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 it's Holden. I am an alcoholic. I hope everybody's doing well today. Today, I'm being joined by Bo. Hi. Hey, Bo, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you, Holden? Doing fabulous. It's another Saturday um, morning. So, I mean, that's it's great to be awake and sober. Um, so, Bo and I actually connected via Instagram. Um, I, I don't know who added who first, but I think just through following each other and kind of seeing each other's journey, um, I wanted Bo kind of reach out to me to want to join the podcast and share his story um, and just kind of give everybody some like experience, strength, and hope on what he went through and where he is today. So, Bo, what is your, of course, age, sobriety date, and what your drug of choice was? So my name is Bo. I'm an alcoholic. I dabbled a little in drugs, but uh, I'm certainly an alcoholic. I'm 39 years old, and uh, my sobriety date is September 22nd, 2019. And uh, it's great to be on the podcast and meet you. Awesome. What What you do is amazing, so I'm glad to be a part of it. Thank you. I'm glad to have you a part of it. So before going into any program um, to get sober, um, before you kind of lead into the subject of the episode, give us a little bit of a backstory on what finally led to you needing and wanting to get sober. Um, That's a loaded question. Um, But I um, was a blackout drinker. Um, I've been in the restaurant business my entire career. Um, So I've always been around it. Um, I started as a chef and, um, you know, uh, during high school, I didn't really party much. Um, but once I went to college, it was like game on. I mean, I had a couple blackouts when I was like 13, 14 and I liked it. Um, but when I got, went away to college, I mean, it was game on and drugs were part of it. Alcohol, it just, it spiraled and people around me knew I had a problem long before I did. Um, and as life goes on, um, I didn't do anything about it. Um, and I started bartending. I started becoming a bar manager. I went through a lot of life changes. Um, I got married uh, to my ex-husband when I was 24. So I was pretty young. Um, and the marriage only lasted a couple of years and didn't end well. Um, and that fueled a lot of depression. And when I moved back home, I really took it out on everyone, including myself and um I just kind of spiraled out of control for a long time, nearly a decade, um, where it was just drink, drink to blackout. Um, but I was, I think in hindsight, when I look back on it, um, I was progressing in a bar career um, that now that I'm sober and I look back on it, I kept moving up the ranks to get myself closer and closer to free booze and this party lifestyle that I wanted. And all these quote unquote, friends that I had. Um, And eventually, um, I ended up leaving the bar world and joined, and I'm still a part of a liquor and wine distribution company. So um, then I got to, then I really thought drinking was my job. So, and I was getting paid for it and an expense account. So, um, you know, for an alcoholic, it's a dream come true. Like, that's a dream job. Um, But I found myself um, now in a corporate world where other people were seeing my behavior and it wasn't normal. Um, 
And I got to travel all over the world and go to different distilleries and things. And we would drink from seven in the morning. Um, so, you know, nighttime, but people, you know, took spurts, drank water, had meals. I was go, 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 go. And um, it caused a lot of problems. There was a, a quite a few work events and trips that kind of um, put a spotlight on me. And um, further, uh, the further I got, you know, I was so worried about getting fired all the time, waking up, not knowing where my car was, um, how I got home, just really scary things, ending up in the hospital, bruises um, that I don't know where they came from. And I kept putting more toxic people in my personal life too. I was seeing toxic people at toxic friendships and it was a lot of codependent relationships with people. Um, and then, um, you know, I was burning bridges with my family who um, didn't deserve it. And um, so when, you know, 2018, um, you know, it had gotten so bad that I was uninvited to Thanksgiving, which is my favorite holiday. Um, so I spent the day at home drinking by myself. They had three bottles of wine, a bunch of whiskey. And, you know, I decided I wanted to take my life. So I was, um, you know, going down that rabbit hole. And luckily I reached out to a friend, um, but the police came, brought me to the hospital. Um, I woke up um, and, you know, I was in a, in a room that I wasn't allowed out of. My family was there and it was almost like, all right, this is, this is it. Um, and so the very next day I went to my first 12 step meeting, um, and my family was there with me and, you know, I, I knew that things had to change because I wanted, you know, I wanted the love of my family back. Um, and I started going and, you know, I thought I was committed to it. Um, but I wasn't, I was going to meetings, going home and having a couple shots. I wasn't in a hundred percent cause I still didn't, I still didn't, I got half of step one and I, it was, you know, I knew my life was unmanageable, but it wasn't the alcohol's problem. Uh, it wasn't the alcohol that, that caused this, of course, you know, it's because I'm depressed. It's because of this. It's because I have all these resentments. It's how people treated me. Um, you know, so many excuses. So I think I lasted about 35, 40 days. And um, I went back out and, you know, I went on a nine month bender really. I caused, you know, to the point where my last uh, work trip, you know, I started having suicidal thoughts and vocalizing them. And that really set off the red, uh, the alarms. And I think on the flight back from Kentucky is when I had my first spiritual experience where this is just not working anymore. And I'm so fortunate and I, you know, I'll never be able to express the gratitude. It's still why I'm with my company. It's one of the main reasons they treat people like family. Um, and I met with the CEO of her, or president of her company. And I just, you know, broke down in that office. There was, you know, my manager, his manager and the president. And I just said, I can't do this anymore. I'll do whatever you want. Um, I didn't care about my job anymore. And I just, I looked at them and I said, I think my life is on the line. And um, that I was just so fortunate that they allowed me to take a leave of absence, go to outpatient treatment and, um, because I, I, you know, I guess I needed to go out and get my ass kicked a little bit. You think a suicide attempt would be enough to help you get sober, but it wasn't. Um, so 
I went to outpatient treatment. I got into smart recovery, uh, refuge, uh, the whole Buddhist principle thing really appealed to me. I loved, you know, I've always wanted to meditate. So I was like, all right, that sounds really cool. Um, I had a, you know, a weird religious upbringing. So that was kind of, um, you know, one thing that got in my way the first time into the rooms. Um, but I really latched onto the 12 step program that I'm a part of now. And um, I love it. And I've, you know, once I got in that, that room that I go to every morning, um, I was embraced. I felt empathy uh, and love. And slowly I started to love myself and do the work. And, you know, the pandemic hit that kind of put a, a wrench in my program and my routine. Uh, but I had to adapt because that's all I could do. Um, I wasn't going to go back to where I was because I loved where I am now. So, um, you know, we went back to live meetings a few months ago and, uh, you know, slowly I'm putting my routine back together and I love it. And um, that's kind of where I am today. Well, I mean, I'm super glad that you didn't go through a suicide because if you did, you wouldn't be able to share the story of success that you are now with other people who are struggling just as much as you were um, in their own ways. And so it's like, I think that higher power, God, whatever you want to use the term as, there's a purpose for all of us. And I mean, I think that's why the attempt didn't go through um, or be completed because you're here to be where you are now, where you are today, to be able to share what you have to share. And hopefully people can resonate with your story. And I know that through the 12-step program, we have many sayings, many acronyms that some we hate, some we um, love to death. And I mean, I know for me, keep coming back is one that I absolutely despise. Um, <laughs> like what other but, choice do I have? <laughs> yeah, that we keep coming back because you're a fucked up bitch. No. Um, so, but I know one is that kind of resonates with me and is hungry, angry, lonely, tired. They refer to it as halt. And that's, that's something for me that I have to, when I experience any of those symptoms, especially when all four of them hit at one time, like it damn near drives me back out every yeah. single time. And so I have like, what is your experience with halts and um, especially kind of breaking it down from hungry, then going into angry, then lonely yeah. and then tired, and then how you work through them, especially with multiple hit them, hit you at one time. Yeah, I think it's um, so important to me. Um, I think what it, what I get out of halt and how I stay away from these triggers is by having a consistent routine and a program in my life. Um, you know, I got to lose a little weight, I feel like. So no one's going to accuse me of being hungry. Um, but what I'm doing is my passion has always been food. So the more I can cook, um, the more, I mean, it's just like a passion of mine and I love it. So when I'm in the kitchen, I'm not thinking about drinking. Um, I'm thinking about creating art on a plate, you know, whoever I'm cooking for now it's, you know, I don't do it professionally. I do it at home. It's an act of love. Um, when I was out drinking, you know, I cook once in a while, but it, you know, if, if, you know, I wasn't creating something beautiful, I was, you know, heating up some easy Mac, like I, I was not in a good place. And, you know, I didn't want to stop. I didn't want to stop the party to have something to eat. I'd sure like to spend money. So I'd go out to a fancy dinner, but 
and I'd have no problem ordering way too much food. My purpose there was to order three bottles of wine, a couple cocktails beforehand, espresso martinis after, where are we going next? I have an obsession for more, but my addiction is in that realm. Um, and I guess that kind of relates to food too. I like, I like good food, but um, yeah, I try not to stay hungry. And with what I do, you know, I travel to different stores and restaurants and bars throughout the day. So I know it's important to leave the house with a breakfast in me. Um, and along my route, if I get hungry, I need to stop. And, um, you know, recently, the more I've been out, I find, you know, your mindset is always like, oh, I got to get to the next place. I got to get there. Um, but now I'm like, you know, if I have to stop for food, I'm not going to pull up to McDonald's and eat in the parking lot. You know, I'm going to get something I want to eat, but sit down. Um, I can still work from a booth and take a half hour. And I, you know, it's kind of like hitting that pause button. It's like, okay, let's take a little break on the day. Let's breathe um, and, and enjoy, enjoy food. Um, so yeah, that's how I, you know, try not to stay hungry um, and angry. Oh, <laughs> that's the hard one. So yeah, I'm on the road all the time. So, you know, it's easy to get road rage and I like to drive fast and I like to get from A to B. So it's always something I'm working on, but, um, there's a, there's a, a guy in our group that, um, really emphasizes the use of the pause button and hit that pause button. And, you know, you can meditate wherever and whenever and doing anything, but I find it anytime I'm anxious, angry, nervous, if I just stop and if I can just close my eyes and do some deep breathing for 10 seconds, whatever emotion that gives my body and my mind enough time to realize this is, this is happening now and it won't matter later and I can stay in the present. If it's a bigger issue, I can just, you know, put it to the side. We had our business meeting today, so I love to table things. I'm like, oh, I can table this. My higher power can take care of this. Um, you know, because the biggest part of this program, I think, is uh, if you're a 12-step program, is once you get to step three and realize, you know, you're not, you're not God. So, you know, there's, that was big for me. I'm like, okay, so I don't have to be the manager of the universe. And uh, I don't, that means I don't have to be the manager of my own life. And that's great. I'm like, okay. Um, so, you know. I do find myself get angry and frustrated, uh, you know, because, you know, life sucks. You know, there's things going on in the world I have no control over that upset me so much. And I can only do what I can do. And getting upset about it or letting it affect my sobriety is, you know, scary because I don't, you know, fear and anger drove me down a spiral of despair that almost ended my life. And, and so I'm very cognizant of it. You know, I get angry if the computer doesn't work right or something stupid. And it's just then that I have to just take a moment to realize it's really not the end of the world. I mean, most of my problems are, you know, first world problems. You know, I'm very privileged and I'm aware of it. You know, I don't I live in a beautiful country and I have so many rights that a lot of people don't have. And I have a lot less worries that that people have in the world. And, you know, I, I'm grateful every day that, that I don't have to face what other people are facing. I have empathy for them, um, but it also grounds me and it lets me know 
whatever I'm angry about, it's really not that big of a deal. I always remember like there's a book that came out like when I was a kid, like it won't matter in a hundred years from now or something like that. And um, it's always a cool thought because I'm like, oh, you know, a hundred years from now, will this matter? Will it matter a year from now? Will it matter 30 days? Will it matter 10 minutes from now? And uh, if I can say no to them, you know, those are, those are the ones I can toss aside and move on with my day. Um, yeah, I mean, I was going to say with hungry, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. I'm a big girl. So yeah. I don't, I don't get hungry often, but when I do hungry immediately leads me to anger because I'm yeah. one of those people that I, I get very hangry. So I know in order for me to avoid hanger, got a, I'm like the epitome of a Snickers commercial. You need to always at least keep me fed to avoid that. Um, but anger, I mean, we allow anger to infiltrate our lives every day, all day when it comes to coworkers, bosses, um, personal life, guys on the internet, dating apps. I mean, because, and I think anger kind of stems from, at least for me, it stems from that the people didn't react the way I wanted them to yes. because in my addiction and in my entire life, I have felt I'm in control. And so if the bitch didn't do what I wanted her to do, that would set off my anger, which in turn would be, Oh, well, I had a shitty day and I'm so mad. I need to go get a shot of something because yeah. I thought that would just alleviate the anger. Although what it did was it calmed me down at least in that moment. But then the next morning I'm now still pissed off. Mm -hmm. And now hungover is just, again, the cycle. It's a temporary and, solution. It's not healthy. I mean, exactly. I understand. <laughs> I understand. So it's like, it sounds so like, <laughs> like when, you know, it sounds like we share that impatience with people not following our plan. <laughs> it's like, why aren't you on Holden's plan? Why aren't you on Bo's plan? What's wrong with you? And uh, now I have to react to it. Yeah, so now, now I kind of react a, a, a lot better way. I think when I hear Holt, all I think of is like a dog trainer, that the dog is going a million, miles, a million miles an hour and the trainer just screaming Holt. And that dog, in an instantaneous, ceasing everything and goes from running a million miles an hour to stopping in his place. And that is so important for at least me because it's like I have to remind myself, pause, Holt. Because before it gets that anger level where resentment's filled and I'm like wanting to drink over it, I have to tell myself, halt, stop, and just chill, be where you, like for me, be where your feet are in that moment. Mm -hmm. and just take a, take a breath. Taking a breath, as you said, that 10 seconds of breathing. Like I told my sponsor, I said, breathe in and then breathe out the bullshit. <laughs> and it's yeah. two to three breaths later make a huge difference for me. Yeah, we are we are programmed different in our addictive brains to be reactive and um, short tempered and self centered, and that's really you know the basis of my anger is being inconvenienced. Um, how dare how dare you drive sixty five in the left lane? I'm trying to do ninety five. Um, yeah, maybe I should slow down a little. Maybe they should move over uh, technically, but. Um, <laughs> I can't be up their ass and beeping the horn uh, because it's not sober behavior. So it's not what I've been taught. Um, and it gets me nowhere. It's not gonna get me there any sooner. Um, and it's only, all it could do is cause more problems, whether it's road rage, an accident, you know, I don't need any of that on my conscience. And um, 
it's, you know, this program teaches you so many valuable tools and every meeting I go to, I have, I pick up more tools to put in my toolbox and the, the tools are, you know, because, you, you know, the main reason you go is so you stop using, you stop drinking. Um, but they say stay for your thinking and it's reprogramming how to handle everyday life events like, a, you know, a civilized person. Yes. Um, yeah. And so I guess um, loneliness is next. Yes. I mean, I was going to ask that is like we as I mean, I mean, at least I'm single. I can't tell if you're single or not. But being single, especially, it, it creates a lot of loneliness when you have a day off and you're just sitting at home alone in an empty house with nobody just to talk to. And I mean, not even in the romantic act, act, um, portion of it, but maybe your friends are busy. So it's like when you're in that, that solemnness of just sitting there by yourself, like when a bar is a mile and a half down the road, it's like, how do you deal with that? Um, well, first, yes, I am single and happily but um I'll, I'll let the universe figure it out i mean I, i'm not searching for anything and that's you know all i've been searching for the last two and a half years is peace and serenity if i can find someone in my life that benefits that um and i don't think they need to be sober uh per se um just respectful of what i'm doing in my life and not you know i don't want somebody that's a sloppy drunk that's the last thing i want um that's somebody that's respectful but somebody that can be supportive I think that's really you know I've had to lose quite a few friendships because they weren't supportive of where I was going or that they were kind of like those drinking buddies um but I realized now in hindsight they were just making me more lonely um because I wasn't getting a genuine connection with them so I was you know I was fake they were fake and you go home and you're like oh okay that was fun I have to find a different group of friends to hang out with tomorrow because I probably made an ass of myself last night. Um, but now, you know, I'll tell you, I do, you know, I do not feel lonely. I go to a 7.30 a.m. meeting every single morning. I sit in the same seat. There's the, We found out today the meeting's been going on for 26 years. And there's people that have been in that room the entire time or, or close to it. And they've sat in the same seats. When I walk in that room, I feel like I'm in home, you know, it's my home. Um, because there's so much sobriety in that room, but the, and it's right across the street from my high school. So it's so funny to me that like, wow, look where I got myself. <laughs> but the, the great thing is like, you are invested in each other's lives and there's no price tag I could put on that. And I, I've, super grateful that I have this meeting. Like I was saying this at the meeting a couple of days ago, I said, you know, not everybody has a daily meeting around them. Um, but after experience, you know, my first three months at that meeting, I would drive a hundred miles each way if I had to, um, because this is, you know, my family, um, you talk to people, um, and I can't wait to get up. Like, I can't wait to get up in the morning go to the meeting. Um, I lead on, you know, I lead a day. I was, you know, the booker last year and the secretary this year, I get involved. I do service. You know, we hung out in the parking lot for an hour and 15 minutes today talking about everything under the sun, uh, me and two of my friends in the program. So I don't feel lonely and I have genuine relationships. Um, you know, there's points 
there were points over the pandemic where I was very lonely. Um, and I felt like, like the only person I was talking to was my therapist. Um, <laughs> I was in a toxic living situation. So I, you know, I did feel some loneliness. Um, so I had to get out, I had to get out and walk. And, you know, if I can't be a person, I can get in tune with nature. Um, I can go outside and see birds flying. And I know that I'm not alone. You know, the birds aren't going to talk to me or land on my shoulder. And, you know, it's not, you know, what is it, Cinderella? Um, it's, it's, you know, but it's more complex than that. It's just, it's the universe. My higher power is more of mother earth, father time, um, a universal kind of, you know, spirit around the universe. Um, that that's what I can conceptualize. So, you know, when I go out or outside or I focus or I meditate, that's who I commune with. And um, so at no point am I actually alone because um, I have a higher power um, that I don't have a face on or uh, a voice to. It's just a feeling I have. Um, so I can turn to that any point I need to. Um, but it's, you know, picking up the phone, calling people. Um, you know, I hear in the rooms, like your sobriety changes the second you get a sponsee. And I recently got my first sponsee. And that has, you know, that has taken all the onus. I don't think about myself anymore, which is great because it's too much in my head already. So um, it's amazing to have somebody else to call and that is, you know, not relying on you, but, you know, you're helping them. Um, and it's all what the 12 steps are about. Um, to, and it has changed my sobriety because it's like, you know, it's 830 and I haven't heard from him. Let me give him a call. Let me make sure he's okay. Not, maybe I should have another Snickers bar. Uh, it, you know, <laughs> it helps with all of those. You know, if, you know, if, if I'm at, just the other two, like if I'm hungry or angry, um, you know, I can also, you know, pick up the phone and call him or call anyone in the program that I'm friends with and bounce ideas off or be like, this is what's bothering me. Um, the program offers so much fellowship that all you have to do is reach your hand out and take advantage of it. Um, don't be, you know, go early, stay late, what they say, talk yeah. to people, get a setup commitment or, you know, that's the way you meet people. And you start the, you have these instant bonds uh, because you're both alcoholics, you're both addicts, you both understand what it feels like to go through these things. And as you recover together, uh, these bonds that you form are just so much stronger than anything I've ever felt in 20 years of traveling the world and being this quote unquote celebrity bartender. Um, like I didn't have those genuine connections with people I do now. And my, I know, and my relationships with my family are better than they've ever been. So like, you know, and I've, the friends that I've kept from before I got sober are my genuine friends I'll have for a lifetime. You know, some, I always hear that people come into your life for a reason, a season or lifetime. And that really makes sense. And I know it's a less people that are not in my life anymore by choice. It's for a reason that they were in my life for a certain period of time. And, uh, the, you know, I have such enriched relationships now that it's very, you know, it's very infrequent when I feel really lonely. Yeah. And I, would... and I have every streaming service possible. So I can, you know, <laughs> I can delve into a fantasy world at any point. <laughs> I mean, I do like what you said about 
loneliness like you're never alone if you have a higher power in your life mm-hmm. because I would say um, loneliness for me is probably the biggest struggle on a daily basis um, and it's 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 when I'm if I'm busy and that's I tell people idle mind is very dangerous for me because when I have an idle mind is when I'm thinking about drinking or not, well, how, like not thinking about drinking all the time but that's when I start thinking of the loneliness and the lack thereof a potential relationship or friendship or whatever and then that's when it starts to think okay let me go drink to drown these feelings out and so the program the fellowship especially that's when I I think that's when I lean on my fellows the most is when I get in those lonely spots because it's like I don't need to sleep with you I just need to let me come over watch a movie just having somebody else present um is what is needed just to have another body there and it's so important to surround yourself with people that genuinely care Mm -hmm. because trust and believe like so many friendships that I had in the past I thought were so genuine were fake as hell Mm -hmm. on both sides because we were both drinking heavily and not being our true authentic self and I think the program you become so authentic and you wear your heart on your sleeve with no lying no deceit no fakeness that the the relationships that you build there are probably the most genuine um friendships built and like are kind of as you said like lifetime friendship and so for me like loneliness I don't have any damn streaming services so (laughs) I don't really watch tv but I know that at least for loneliness for me that's when I lean on my fellows the most is so I don't spend too much time by myself yeah and besides my morning group in early sobriety, I mentioned those other groups I was going to, and I had some, you know, some interactions with people I really enjoyed, but, you know, um, I never had like a big circle of gay friends. Um, I was never in that kind of clique. I was in college. I mean, in college, when you're a twink, you, I mean, you, you're the center of attention. It's fine. Um, but you're also a hundred pounds, like doing blow and drinking all night. Um, and again, you know, that wasn't, you know, and after I left that and I got married young, I never had that opportunity to have those, those group of uh, gay guy friends. So, um, you know, where I live in New Jersey, um, we're lucky to have a bunch of gay meetings at the beginning of sobriety. I was going to two, three a week. Um, and, you know, the pandemic happened. I was going to my morning meeting on Zoom, um, but I kind of lost touch with those guys and the last month I mean I, I just I mean about when I got my sponsee I was like oh I got to get to more meetings I got to hear other perspectives um I got to go to meetings he's not coming to um so I can steal ideas and bring them back but <laughs> just kidding but um but, I mean not really I mean picking up different tools and how other people work the program work with their sponsors and sponsees uh, but it's been really cool the last month. They're like, oh, you're coming around again. I said, well, I didn't stop coming around. I just stopped coming here. Uh, but it's really nice. And there's new guys there too. So, you know, it's new. To, it's nice to see different faces and expand your network. So uh, that's been really cool for me too. It was uh, the last couple, the last few weeks, a month uh, to start getting back in that routine because I'm very routine oriented. And I'm sure when we wrap up, I'll, I'll talk more about that. But um it's so nice to, to like on Monday and Friday night, I know I got something to do, even if it's just an hour, I'm going to see people I like, they're going to ask me how I'm doing, I get to talk to them. So it's, it's more fellowship. Yeah. It's never an hour too. 
because it's like <laughs> it's no I go there like 30 minutes early to hang out do the fellowship and you have that hour meeting and then at least the meeting I go to is 10 p.m at night and mm. so the afterwards too I'm like um I'm we're out there for like an hour we don't leave till like midnight and so that's when I'm exhausted constantly yeah. and I, I think that's going to tie us into the last portion of halt is sure between work meetings now you have a sponsee we get tired we have personal life our laundry life our errands our work I mean how do you cope with being just so damn tired but still having the energy to still make sure you still go to the meetings and not not take a meeting off and so on well I wake up every day and I know that my life's on the line so there's nothing more important than, than my sobriety. Anything that's important in my life, if I don't put sobriety above it, all of it goes to shit. I lose everything. Um, and I'll lose my life. It might not be tomorrow. It might, you know, but it's, it's inevitable. There's a proven track record of when I use my willpower and I want to take the wheel, I do destructive things. When I was out drinking, I had a nickname Bonado because I would go into places and leave a path of destruction. Um, and it's not a cute nickname. I was in a, another group earlier um, this year when we reclosed for COVID for a couple of weeks. And the guy, he's like, you're so calm and all about serenity. He's like, I'm going to nickname you Bo-Renity. And I was like, oh, I like Bonado kind of flowed more, but it's Bo-Renity is more my style. Uh, nowadays um but being tired like I had a new I had a doctor's appointment with my new general um physician yesterday and she's getting all caught up on my life and and all these things and she's like so what's exciting in your life and I'm like oh not much I said I, I wake up I meditate I go to a meeting I go to work I come home I cook dinner oh that's you know that's what I do um but it's a routine um, so I don't feel tired. I didn't sleep as well last night because I was, you know, a lot going on today. Um, and being with you, I'm trying to get all my thoughts together, but I used to be out. I mean, I used to go to bed at five in the morning and, you know, wake up in the afternoon. I am completely reversed now. I go to bed eight thirty, nine o'clock, like, and I'm up at five and, um, you know, I put on a cup of coffee, I sit and I meditate for about 20 minutes, I center myself, um, you know, have my coffee, I'll look at my work computer, see where, you know, kind of get a, a glimpse of what the day is, but not focus on it. And next thing you know, I'm at my morning meeting. And that's how I, I, you know, that's how I need to start my day, especially in the business I am, I am around alcohol. You know, it's in my car, like it's in my house. It's like, but I'm in 10 stores a day. It's everywhere in my face. Um, and I have to differentiate work with my, my life. And that's, it hasn't, you know, it wasn't easy, but I think I'm at a point where I have set boundaries on both sides and I live by them and I feel comfortable. Um, but yeah, I get a good amount of sleep. And yesterday, you know, I burned it at both ends. I was up early. I set up on Fridays, I lead, I break down. And then I had to drive a little bit for work and do some errands. And it was like 1.30, I had lunch and it was 1.30 and I just felt really tired. And I knew if, you know, if I didn't take a nap, if I didn't kind of like 
I was never going to make my eight o'clock meeting. And I really wanted to go to it for the fellowship and all the things we just talked about um, that I'm really enjoying there. Um, so yeah, I put on a movie from the 90s that I knew I wasn't going to stay awake for. Um, it was a, you know, just throwing a Nicolas Cage movie. And I was asleep for two and a half hours. And it was great. I woke up, I felt refreshed. And it was like, I just have to listen to my body. If my body says I'm tired and I can't do something, I can't do it. You know, my mental my mental health, my sobriety are all in tune with my physical health. Um, you know, I need to, you know, once it gets nicer, I'm going to do more exercise and things. I think that'll help me too. Um, but getting a good night's sleep and listening to my body is, is, I mean, just as important as everything else. I mean, you know, it's just, it's where you need to be. It's, you know, it's, I, if, if somebody invites me to something and it's, you know, you know, I can make exceptions and go out later and, but I have to adjust the rest of my schedule so that I'm not there and I'm not tired. And then I become cranky, leads me to be angry, could be somewhere I can't eat. So I could be hungry. And then, you know, I want to go off on my own and then I'm lonely. So like all, any of these are domino effects. So it could be H through T and then it could be T through H. Like they all could hit each other by, you know, just not maintaining balance. Balance is key. I know tiredness. Um, I live in a state of exhaustion um, due to sleep apnea, work, school, podcast, owning another business. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think I'm just used to being tired all the time. So it doesn't, at least in the portion of Holtz, tiredness is not affecting me as much. Uh, just because I kind of live in a constant state of exhaustion. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that that will come in time because even in my my first year of sobriety, it took me a lot of adjustments so that I wouldn't feel tired all the time. Uh, a side note on this, um, so I get sober um, about six months later, mid-pandemic, I don't know that I have an underlying blood condition and I have three strokes in the middle of the summer. And um, if I wasn't sober, there is no doubt in my mind, I wouldn't have recognized the signs the second time. And, you know, I'd be dead for sure. Um, so sobriety saved my life multiple times. And that's why it is so important to me in services. But after that, I mean, at the side effects of that, I was lucky that, you know, I, I, I regain most of use of, you know, all my muscles, everything is fine physically. But the biggest thing is I was tired all the time. And that's normal for a post-stroke for, you know, six to seven, six to, you know, months to a year. Um, so that kind of, you know, I slept a lot. Like I couldn't work that, I couldn't work much. I'd, I'd get my, tired at one o'clock um, and need to nap. But I let my company knows that this is where I'm at. Like, this is the amount of work I can do. I wasn't going to overexert myself because I knew first, you know, I knew this part of sobri sobriety is that I don't want to, you know, I can't be tired, but I knew that I had to listen to my body because my body just went through a very traumatic experience. And um, so after that, you know, once I celebrated a year, that was kind of right afterwards, but getting and maintaining appropriate rest became even more vital to not my my sobriety but more of my sur survivability yeah your health as well yeah 
Exactly. Yeah. So, of course, we're coming towards the end um, of the episode. So is there anything you'd like to share that we haven't touched on? I think, you know, if I could synopsis this whole thing, it's to have a routine and a program. Um, you know, I listen to some people that don't have a program and, you know, I hope it works for them and it feel for them. I just know it works for me. I need to have a program in life. I need accountability and I need a routine. You know, I need to do the things I do every day in the order I do them, whether it's boring or not. It's, I don't care what other people think. Um, it's just what I need to do to save my life. It's just, you know, so the advice I would give is, A, if you have a meeting guide and you can find a place that has a meeting every day, attend it as much as often. Make that fellowship your family because they are people that are going to invest themselves every day in you. Um, and it's, if you can find something like that, it will change, it will change you and it will fast track your sobriety because there's no bullshit in a, a group of 50 people every day. Um, so I, I would say that is a key and, and having that routine, you know, if you're going to join a 12 step program, get a sponsor, work the steps, everything, you know, Everything they tell you to do, the suggestions, take them. I, I tried this once, doing it my way, it didn't work. Second time I came in, I said, I gave, my, you know, I surrendered and I said, I'll do it your way. And here I am two and a half years later. And, uh, you know, I'm grateful and I feel like a miracle. Good. Well, congratulations on that two and a half years. So um, what would you <clears throat> tell the person in the LGBTQ community that's struggling right now? reach out for help walk in a meeting um there is no meeting there's no instance i can recall where i didn't feel welcome or loved because when i introduce myself and say i am bo i'm an alcoholic that's all that matters it's the only requirement to be there and that's what all people care about is how they can help you race religion creed sexual orientation um how you identify has no bearing. Um, I'm so glad the 12 step, you know, fellowship I'm in has adapted our preamble to include, include people. Cause I think it's just so much more inviting. Um, but do not be afraid that you won't be welcomed or that you're different. Everyone is different. Everyone's got their own story. Um, find help find there's so many resources but just don't let fear get in the way of saving your life. It is, um, I'm getting emotional thinking about it. It's just, you know, it's hard to come out and it's hard. We have, you know, so much stigma around us uh, that we put on ourselves, uh, really. Um, but we want, you know, the gay people I know are happy, joyous, and free. And that's what we do at, in, in our program is, you know, we try to get back to there. Um, there's this, you know, I want to finish with this kind of, um so there's one of my first speaker meetings i went to and i tell the story pretty much anytime i share my 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 story um that there was this analogy that i just loved uh and it stuck with me the whole time and the the gentleman that was speaking i'll never know his name i'll never remember what meeting it was but <clears throat> he's up there and he said what this program is about is similar to um 
when someone asked Michelangelo how he created the statue of David. And Michelangelo says, there's a piece of marble and I chipped away everything that wasn't David. And that's all we're doing here. I've added to it and say, well, you know, we alcoholics and addicts, we have a tarp over the marble. So we got to peel that off, get dry and uh, start chipping away at it. And it takes a lot of time and it's never going to be perfect. Um, but it should take a lifetime to master. But that's all this is about. There's no reason to be afraid or, or, or anything or have any misconceptions of the program. All we're trying to do is turn the marble that's around you into the person you're meant to be so you can be of use uh, to the world and the, to other alcoholics and addicts and serve your purpose that a higher power of the universe has set in motion for you. Exactly. So thank you so much, Bo, for joining us. So if anybody wants to get a hold of you or resonated with your story, how can they reach out to you? They can find me on Instagram. It's uh, Bo M. Keegan. Uh, M's for Matthew. And um, on Facebook, Bo Keegan. I'm on Twitter, but I, I, I don't tweet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anybody that still does tweet other than celebrities. No. I'm like, gonna... Yeah, I'm not on that level. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again for listening to today's episode. Hit that follow button to be notified about new episodes every week. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Instagram at The Sober Unicorn Podcast or on our website at thesoberunicornpodcast.com. There you will find our episodes as well as our very own sober-owned shop featuring products from small businesses that are sober-owned. And remember, everyone, don't be normal, be a unicorn, but better yet, be a sober unicorn. Sober Unicorn.